Welcome to Luke 21 Radio, a broadcast explaining biblical prophecy in the tradition of St. Augustine. And now, from Greenville, South Carolina, here's your host, Steve Wood. Hello, this is Steve Wood, and welcome to Luke 21 Radio. Today we're in Daniel 5, and our topic, Babylon the Great Has Fallen. In our last episode, we tried to get Daniel out of the liberal critics' den and establish the historicity of Daniel chapter 5. This chapter recounts the fall of the Babylonian Empire, the world's first universal empire, and it was really an earth-shaking event, and this isn't the only place it's described in Scripture. In fact, if you want some good scripture to listen to, and I really encourage at this point listening to Jeremiah chapter 50 and 51. It goes right along with what's going on in Daniel 5. Jeremiah is prophesying in chapters 50 and 51 of the fall of Babylon, and it was meant to be an oracle or a decree, and listening to a good translation read aloud without all the drama going on, because personally, I think that can subtract from the force of the words. But this is what's going on, the fall of Babylon. Now, outside the city of Babylon during this night festival that King Belshazzar was was uh, celebrating, um, the enemy was surrounding the city, but he felt no problem. Uh, you can't conquer Babylon. Our walls are too thick. They're too high. We have so much good stored up. And during the course of this sacrilegious feast, praising pagan gods, using Yahweh's temple vessels, a man's hand appeared writing on the wall of the king's palace. And it says this, the king's color changed, his thoughts alarmed him, his limbs gave way, and his knees knocked together, and then the king cried aloud. Pay attention to that, because we're going to come back to this at the end of this chapter, because this has relevance, believe it or not, for any time God's people are going through difficult times, particularly the end times. Now, all the astrologers and enchanters in Babylon couldn't make sense of these few words that were written on the wall. And at the suggestion of the queen mother or perhaps the queen grandmother, Daniel is brought in to interpret the writing. And Daniel totally lays in to this proud king. He says that you should have known better because your predecessor, King Nebuchadnezzar, uh, boasted about his kingdom, his majesty, and all that he accomplished and failed to acknowledge that God is the sovereign and he's the one that raises up kings and kingdoms and brings them down. And King Nebuchadnezzar had literally lost his reason probably for a period of seven years and went out and lived like a beast until he recognized that the Most High rules over the kingdom of men and then his sanity and his kingship was restored to him. But Daniel says to King Belshazzar, you have lifted up yourself against the Lord. You have not humbled your heart, though you knew all this. 
King Nebuchadnezzar went through a very hard lesson. You're supposed to learn from this, but you have lifted yourself up, and then you've taken the vessels of God's house and brought them in before you, you and your lords and your wives and your concubines, and have drunk wine from them, and you have praised the gods of silver, gold, bronze, iron, wood, and stone, which do not see or hear, but the God in whose hand is your breath and whose are all your ways you have not honored. God doesn't like idolatry. He doesn't like his holy vessels used in the process of praising idolatrous pagan gods. And that very night, the Medes and the Persians, rather than trying to scale the walls or destroy the walls because it's virtually impossible, they dried up or diverted the Euphrates River, which ran right through the middle of the city of Babylon, and the army simply marched in. It was over in one night. Meanwhile, the king was killed before sunset, according to historic accounts. Now, here's the point. The end of the Babylonian world empire This is the first of a succession of four ancient world empires, but it isn't the end of Babylonian empires in reincarnated form, so to speak, uh, in the future, or you call it what you want, new world orders or everything else. We get to the last book of the Bible, move forward centuries, and we read this in Revelation 14 in verse 8. And Revelation 14.8 is the second of three key messages proclaimed from heaven. It's this, another angel, a second followed saying, fallen, fallen is Babylon the great, she who made all nations drink the wine of her impure passion. Now, St. John, when he wrote the book of Revelation, wasn't talking about the fall of Babylon as recorded in Daniel 5. But it's basically the same prophetic message. Fallen is Babylon the Great. We read a second time in the book of Revelation, chapter 18 and verse 1. After this, I saw another angel coming down from heaven, having great authority, and he called out with a mighty voice, Fallen, fallen is Babylon the Great. Scripture scholar Gordon Fee says this, it's difficult for the reader of Revelation from our distance to appreciate how bold such a prophecy was for John, who was in exile on Patmos. This dirge over Rome's fall, Revelation 14 and 18, was spoken when Rome was at the absolute height of its power and had begun to call herself the eternal city. It was also beginning to persecute Christians. And back up to the first ancient Babylon, remember, they not only persecuted, they conquered Jerusalem. Daniel was in the Babylonian court because he was taken captive and deported out of his home country. And so the idea here, both in ancient Babylon and then in the Babylon recorded in the book of Revelation, it's speaking in its historical context of the Roman Empire. And make no mistake, St. John in Revelation isn't referring 
to the fall of the ancient Roman Empire, excuse me, Babylonian Empire that we read of in Daniel 5. What is it talking about? Well, the Roman kingdom was having the exact same characteristics of ancient Babylon. Proud, wealthy, powerful, uh, seemingly going to go on forever. The kings, the Caesars, eventually seeing themselves as God. Well, this doesn't end. You see, as I explained previously, the very root under the First World Empire didn't end with the First World Empire, and it didn't end with the Roman Empire. It goes on because we read that in the end, in the Catechism of the Catholic Church, section 675, which I never tire of citing, it says that before the end, the church must pass through a difficult trial that will shake the faith of many believers. And one of the ways that believers will have in the end times will be thinking that this will never end. Like imagine if you were a Catholic in the early church and the Roman Empire was persecuting you and your family and and your friends, and you would think, well, the eternal city, this isn't going to end. It's going to go on and on. And now John, even though he was a prisoner, he was under persecution, he was saying, no, it's going to end. God is capable of bringing it to an end. And in the end times, the persecution is going to be the worst there ever was. There will be a confederacy of nations united in the Antichrist, and there will be a fierce persecution, and the faith of many will be shaken, first of all, because of the fierceness of the persecution. It will be, in a sense, a collection of the worst of the worst throughout history, and but beyond that, you'll think, this will never end. It's hopeless. Now we come back to Daniel chapter 5. Remember, the, when the king saw the hand, it says, the king's color changed, his thoughts alarmed him, his limbs gave way, and his knees knocked together, and he cried aloud. Now, hear this. An ancient Near Eastern expert in the Old Testament said, what I just read, Daniel 5, verses 5 and 6, ancient Jews would be rolling in laughter as they heard this. Well, why is that? Well, if you know somebody in law enforcement or works in medicine, they will know that in extreme panic and fear, a person loses control of his bodily functions. And the Bible is very, uh, what should you say, they go roundabout in euphemistic ways to describe things. They're not crass like we are in our speech and our media and such. The, but the bottom line in all likelihood, this proud, powerful, boastful Belshazzar, who was basically ridiculing God by using his, his vessels from the Jerusalem temple to praise pagan idols, he soiled his pants in fear with just a few words written by the finger of God. You see, the idea is the fall of Babylon is intended to instill confidence 
in God and in his sovereign universal kingdom. Yep, the end time Babylon the Great will be great, but it will fall just like the ancient Babylon the Great fell, just like the Roman Empire fell. The end time Babylon will fall in spectacular fashion. The ancient Babylon fell in one night. In Revelation chapter 18, talking about the fall of Babylon, it says in one day it's going to fall. Well, there's quite a bit of debate. Rome didn't really fall in a day. It declined over a long period of time. Yes, it was invaded at a particular time, but there will be a day, a day when the last world empire with the nations in a confederacy of evil, united under the Antichrist, persecuting Christians, thinking, finally, we've had our way. Finally, we have control of the earth. Finally, we've put out the light of Christ from the world. Finally, we have now the process to extinguish Christians through martyrdom. Finally, the work that began at the Tower of Babel, that was continued in ancient Babylon, that was continued in the Roman Empire, that's going to be continued in the Antichrist Empire, just when they think it's all set forever, it ends immediately in spectacular fashion with the second coming of Christ. And with that, the eternal kingdom of Christ, which will last forever and ever and ever. I'm Steve Wood, your host, and you've been listening to episode 151 of Luke 21 Radio. Luke 21 is a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. To learn more about biblical prophecy and to order copies of Luke 21 broadcasts, visit us online at luke21.com.